welcome to season 12 of Digital Learning Radio. I'm Catherine and I'm joined by my co-host, Laura. Hello. And this season of the podcast, we're continuing the conversations of sharing what is inspiring us on our ongoing story of learning. This week is Laura's to share what's been inspiring her. It is and I am ready. First, though, last week you shared some great thoughts about PKM, curation, and the code method for organizing and sharing information. And I know that you are considering a few things for your now what next steps to tweak your own workflow and knowledge management. So, Catherine, how's it going with that? The first thing that the episode motivated me to do is to try to stick with the better tool for capture. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to go back to Google Keep for a while. Okay, okay. It's been a favorite, but I've been trying some other things. So Google Keep is going to be my capture. I also had some cute headers from Slides Mania. So I made one that says capture here. Nice. I created the note in the right Google account and I've shared it. It syncs to all devices. So that makes it pretty frictionless for me. So very nice. I'm going to try that. And then sharing the information with you also reminded me that I needed to consistently return to another tool that I've been tinkering with this past year. And that tool is Obsidian. Mm-hmm. Um, Now that could have a whole separate episode devoted to that tool, but the short story is it's a great tool for organizing and distilling my work. So I need to go back and use that more consistently. So I love that. I remember when you discovered it maybe last summer and you mm -hmm. were so excited Mm -hmm. uh, and gave me like a pretty deep dive into (laughs) Obsidian, Uh, but I I know that you really enjoy it. And so I'm glad that that's going to pop back up as a focus for you. Mm -hmm. Well, I think being an obliger, these conversations and sharing (laughs) will keep me back on track and hold me accountable for upping my PKM gain. So thanks for that. Love it. All right. So before I share what's been inspiring me, Catherine, what's been inspiring you? Do you have a quick win to share with us this week? Yes. This week, I'm sharing something from Tina Bogren's podcast, which is self-care for educators. Her weekly podcast is usually five to seven minutes long, and it's one of the first things I listen to on Monday mornings. And each week, she encourages us with an invitation or sometimes a challenge. And the episode I'm sharing is her invitation to do just one small thing. She asks us to think about how might we break down an overwhelming project or task into small, like five minute increments. And she says, what is a baby step to get you moving in the right direction? And I love her suggestion, but then she also shared a resource from the University of Vermont Health Network that was just onesmallthing.org. Hmm. And it looks like a few years ago, they had a big challenge or health initiative, but we still have access to the site and resources. And there are three categories, move, recharge, and eat. Hmm. And under each of the categories, there are eight suggestions and additional links and resources. 
Under the move category, it suggests to remember to stretch or walk during work breaks during the day. Mm -hmm. And now because the ideas are from Vermont, they also have suggestions like remember your gloves when you're walking outside. (laughs) (laughs) And so that's a little laughable since it was in the high 80s here last Mm -hmm. week. Mm -hmm. (laughs) But, But there are a lot of good suggestions and links. And we're recording this episode in October. And so that's usually a time of struggle for educators. So I really appreciate this idea of doing something simple, something small, and just that little boost to get you moving on your tasks or projects. So one small thing. Ooh, I love that. And I will absolutely be checking that out. And I absolutely don't know where my gloves are because I (laughs) use them like three times a year. Right. (laughs) You can ignore that tip. (laughs) Okay. So as a reminder, we're using a reflective protocol to guide our conversation to consider the what, so what, and now what as we share. So Laura, let's jump in. Tell us what is inspiring you to learn this week. All right. So this week I'm inspired by an ASCD article that I read a couple of weeks ago that I have continued to think about ever since as I do. Mm -hmm. And so it's called, Can We Still Find Joy in Teaching? And I'm really looking forward to chatting further about this article and this topic and its five ideas for crafting a joyful work environment. Oh, I am so in. I am so excited. And this sounds perfect. Exactly what a lot of us need. So pull up the timer and in 60 seconds or less, give us the gist. Tell us about finding joy in teaching. All right, let's do it. So written by Jen Schwank and Tracy R. Deagle, the article, Can We Still Find Joy in Teaching, addresses one of the big issues that education is dealing with right now, people leaving a profession they once loved for a myriad of reasons, mm-hmm. one of them being losing that spark, that love, and that joy for teaching. And so this article breaks down the ideas of joy and hope, and then presents five ideas for crafting a joyful work environment. So here's a preview of those five ideas. Shifting your mindset, taking time to feel, thinking of joy as a place and not a transaction, celebrating the joy in others, and finding a joy partner. Mm. This article was posted on October 4th. First, a classic and extremely Mm -hmm. relevant time of the year to talk about crafting joy in our work environments and particularly in education. So there you go. There's the timer. I'm going to actually stop this time. (laughs) That's, uh, That's the gist. Oh my goodness, Laura, it sounds like you have found another winner and I cannot wait to hear more. So please tell us, so what about finding joy in teaching is inspiring you to learn? Okay, so from the top, I mean, who doesn't want to know more about finding joy in teaching, Mm -hmm. as well as crafting a joyful work environment. And, And I've actually read this article a handful of times over the past month. And unsurprisingly, you know, different aspects resonated with me depending on the day or the vibe (laughs) or or the audience for which I was reading it. And I I think initially I was drawn to the article's title 
a good title and a question that some days I might be afraid to answer, mm -hmm. you know, can we still find joy in teaching? But there are five ideas for crafting this joyful work environment seem doable, uh, which is inspiring to me and also inspiring to share. So they've got these five ideas summarized in a really nice, aesthetically pleasing infographic as well, which brings me joy. Uh, <laughs> but I, I think to really answer the question, I'm inspired by the down to earth recognition of reality that this article is grounded in and then the corresponding challenge for intentional joy that it mm. inspires. Mm -hmm. So near the beginning, uh, the authors are talking about their own experiences on campuses the past few years and just kind of trends in the collective education experience. And they say, we saw potential to change the current conversation away from this is hard and toward this is hard, but it's also joyful. And so they say we could acknowledge the difficulty of being an educator while also bringing positivity, gratitude, and delight into mm -hmm. our work. So this seems like a hard ask, which I think is the reason I read it, because I'm like, I don't know, this seems mm -hmm. pretty hard to balance. So that definitely piqued my curiosity, but ultimately left me feeling inspired. And so while the title focuses on teachers or reclaiming joy in teaching specifically, I really think that their ideas spanned beyond the classroom. And if you're looking for some joy in your own work environment, I think that most of us could find some ideas and takeaways to use. Oh, sign me up. I am inspired and I cannot wait to hear more. So tell us more about joy through the lens of this article. And I know we've talked about joy before on this mm -hmm, podcast. Mm -hmm. So I'm so curious to hear more. Yeah. So I think it's really interesting that this is the language and this is the lens that this article took because mm -hmm. it's essentially about teacher retention and student success and post-pandemic healing and self-care. But I really like that they kind of step outside of those possibly overused phrases that we're mm -hmm. hearing over and over and focus specifically on joy. So they spend some time at the top of the article really defining joy. And so they talk about it sometimes being a physical response. So like your body is flushing, it's relaxing, it's giving out this rush of dopamine and really using some precision of language to talk about mm. how joy is different from hope. Mm. So they say that joy and hope are often intertwined or intermingled in our language. However, and listen to this, uh, hope often asks us to wait. Mm. So I hadn't really thought about this before, mm -hmm. but it completely makes sense. So sometimes we say, you know, we hope things improve next time mm -hmm. or we hope that these decisions we've made during COVID times haven't negatively impacted instruction. And hope is certainly a sustaining emotion to have, but they also say no matter how hard we hope, tomorrow never comes the way we expect. And so definitely in education and as an educational leader, we know that our days rarely go as planned. <laughs> So hoping for the best isn't necessarily the best or like most sustaining strategy. Mm. Mm. So joy is different. And so they talk about how joy is a place to be. It happens now. And their definition is a personal, intimate, precise moment with oneself. 
So from there, they issue a challenge to school leaders who are often seeking to build a culture of value, connection, celebration, teachers who are felt like they're seen. But this article suggests taking it just a step further to actively craft that culture of a joyful work environment. And of course, they share a framework of five ideas to do so. Ooh, well, Laura, I know I've heard somewhere else that hope is future thinking, but this distinction is so valuable to consider. So now I am just really reflecting and pondering and ideas are coming Mm -hmm. and marinating, but um, I really want to hear about those five ideas for a joyful work environment. So please continue. (laughs) (laughs) Of course. Okay, so once again, they are shift your mindset, take time to feel, think of joy as a place, not a transaction, celebrate the joy in others, and find a joy partner. And so I want to say just a little bit about each one and then focus on my favorite or the one that's speaking to me the most today. (laughs) I think that favorite has changed each time Mm -hmm. I've read it. Mm -hmm. So that first aspect is to shift your mindset. And now a lot of this section made me think of some of the things that I've read in the book, Compassionate Coaching, but essentially shifting our thinking to go beyond things that we have to do versus things that we get to do. Mm -hmm. So this is a mind shift and a language shift. Mm -hmm. And there are certainly some examples of things that we just have to do and no shift in mindset is going to change that. However, they really encourage us to think about these subtle shifts in language that ultimately impact our outlook. So the example they gave is instead of saying, I can't believe we still have eight weeks until winter break, is to shift that into, I get eight more weeks with my students. Mm-hmm. Or a compassionate coaching example I remember is, I have an overwhelmingly busy calendar to shifting that mm-hmm. mindset to, to one that's more grateful. And I am grateful that so many teachers are interested in partnering with me. So they remind us that resiliency is part of this as well. And being resilient is something that we have to be to make it in this career. But joyful is something that we get to be. Mm -hmm. They have a piece where they encourage us to walk the halls of our school like it's the very first time. Remembering, Mm -hmm. you know, entering the field of being so excited and just like ready to take on the world. And so looking for some intentional opportunity to rediscover some of those feelings of gratitude and elation. Mm. Well, this is reminding me of Gretchen Rubin's work, and she Mm -hmm. talks so much about reframing and using Mm -hmm. different language. And I, I love that. And that's a small tweak that we can make today to just Mm -hmm. change that language. So that is, that's one I can do. So Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) all right, keep going. What else? All right. So number two is take time to feel. And I'll be pretty brief in this one. But basically, this section reminds us that especially in times of overload and stress, taking a moment, even if it's a micro moment to breathe, Mm -hmm. pause and acknowledge your emotions, even joy, uh, really can help to resolve challenges and celebrate wins. This reminder of the importance of mindfulness and reflection are themes that I continue to hear, Mm -hmm. and I like that it was included here as well. Mm -hmm. So number three is think of joy as a place, 
not a transaction. And so kind of going back to that distinction between joy and hope, this section encourages us to seek personal joy in the present moments instead of delaying happiness for later. So the authors talk about viewing joy in professional settings often as an if-then equation. So like, if I find joy in my work, I won't be stressed in my daily life. In school, we can see this happening quite a bit. You know, I'll celebrate when all of my students mm. pass their end of course exams, or mm. I'll be happy when all of my students follow instructions when I ask them to. And so they warn us that this transactional thinking can make experiencing joy difficult because mm -hmm. we can't count on others' actions to fulfill our happiness. Instead, enjoying and celebrating these small moments of joy, a positive interaction with a student, an effective workflow with a colleague is really the way to go, and thinking more of joy as a place and backing away from this transactional thinking. I can really relate to uh, math teacher nerd alert, the mm. if, if then equation mm -hmm. type of mindset and thinking of it as very transactional. This is really resonating. And I do think about that again, forward thinking of hope, like if this happens, then I'll be happy. And so, mm -hmm. okay, I'm, I'm learning a lot now. You're inspiring me. Keep going. So number four is celebrate joy in others. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I know that we have shared the idea of Freud and Freya mm -hmm. uh, on the podcast as a way of being just to celebrate others. Mm -hmm. And I know that you are really good at practicing that. And I'll say that personally, I know that this really is a way to bring joy to my own work environment for sure. Mm -hmm. I also like that this section warns against focusing too deeply on joy in others in a way that contributes to, you know, that harmful, toxic positivity that ignores so many of the challenging parts on education when we're instead like focused on joy only. So I really like that that's rooted in the reality of balancing what's actually happening with looking for the joy and celebrating others. Here's a quote from this section. They say, we would argue that the presentation of positive thinking can help balance the difficulty of our work. If it is combined with gratitude and perspective, joy can overcome the things that burn us out and make us doubt whether we can sustain ourselves. Mm. And so something you'll, you'll hear kind of a theme happening. None of these are just huge shifts uh, and most of them are just slight tweaks in our own thinking or language or taking just a moment to think a little bit differently. And I really like that because that gives me some control. Like I can do these things and the celebrating joy in others is always a sustaining practice. And so loved, love seeing that included. Okay, there's one more. Let's hear the last one. There's one more. So number five is find a joy partner. Ooh. And this <laughs> is the section that's resonating most with me uh, today. <laughs> so basically, they encourage to use existing collaborative connections that you have if you plan with a coworker or you have a mentor or you have someone that you already have a connection and plan with and add one more layer of checking in 
that's related to joy. So get ready to write these questions down. Mm -hmm. So the authors say uh, a joy partner, like any sort of accountability partner, should be someone you trust and who understands you. It should be someone with whom you want to discuss questions, including, are you still finding joy in the work? If so, how are you sustaining it? If not, where did it go? And can you find it again? Mm. And so I love the idea of using an accountability partner to ask that sometimes hard question, where is your joy and how can you find it again? This really made me think of, shout out, Brene Brown um, in Dare to Lead and on her website. And I think there's even a podcast episode. Um, she has a piece about living into your values. And mm -hmm. so there's this exercise you go through to find your top two values. And then there are some subsequent questions to kind of help really solidify that as one of your values. And so um, I immediately thought of two of the questions in that exercise, which are who's someone who knows your values and supports your efforts to live into them? And what does support from that person look like? And one more connection, one of my top values going through the Brene Brown exercise actually is joy. Aww. And so making these connections here really spoke to me. Um, and so it's something I've been thinking about ever since, but, but really thinking about finding someone that I already have that connection with to challenge them, to challenge me, to be mindful of where that joy is and look for it when it's not there. Um, it's something that was really impactful. So... Well, I can imagine that everyone listening to the podcast is going to be lining up for you to be their joy partner. Please Let's go. <laughs> Let's do it. I love this connection to Brene's work and the values. And I did not realize that joy was one of your values. So, it I, is. It so is. I, I love hearing that. But then this is also reminding me of your episode with the seven essential coaching questions. Mm -hmm. And I would just really love to have my leaders pull these questions into some of our coaching conversations as well, just to think about how do we create those joyful work environments. So mm -hmm. great questions and great additions. So mm -hmm. is there anything else you'd like to share? The only other thing that I wanted to say was just one more connection that I was thinking about as I was reading this article and prepping for this episode. I think I shared maybe one time last season a quick win of Ingrid Fettel Lee and her work with joy spotting. Uh, and Catherine, I know that uh, you are a big fan and mm -hmm. spot joy and have taken maybe some of her courses and read her book and completely missing the connection. Last week, I was out and working with some coaches and I brought one of the joy spotting handouts because it is late October. It is a notoriously rough time. And so encourage the coaches that I was meeting with and then their teachers that they will subsequently meet with to make those connections and spot some joy. And then it wasn't until today that I was like, oh man, I could have linked this article as well. Like what, what a perfect connection. So I'll have to hit them next time for that 
further layer of connection. But uh, yeah, joy spotting goes hand in hand with this, I think. I'm glad that you reminded me of that bingo board for mm -hmm. the for the joy spotting. And yes, I need to look that up. But then I also think, oh, what a wonderful companion piece to our burnout session mm -hmm. and episode and maybe some solutions for burnout as well. So love these ideas. And now again, please pause while I go read the article. Excellent. And excellent. Reflecting on these. Yes. And again, there's a, a nice little summary infographic. So if you don't even have time for the article, just check out the infographic and go from there. So we got <laughs> okay. you covered. Okay. <laughs> and as you know, another idea we're practicing this season is to use each episode as a place to launch further thinking. We want to challenge each other to apply what we share as we consider now what. So now what, Laura? What are some next steps from here? How might you incorporate ideas about crafting a joyful work environment into your work or further your learning? All right, so I've got three things on my mind. The first is really internal. Uh, I want to challenge myself to think more about joy as a place instead of this transaction that relies on mm. others mm -hmm. or outside circumstances. That one really stuck with me, so I'm mm -hmm. going to challenge myself to, to keep thinking that way. The second is a practice, and I want to challenge myself to really intentionally practice more of that Freudenfreude to look for opportunities to celebrate joy in others. And then the third is a bigger challenge, which is to find a joy partner. And so I've got a couple of ideas of groups and others to tag as joy partners. And spoiler, Catherine, you might be <laughs> part of one of, that I'm thinking of, so, so stay tuned. But really thinking about where I can get that support and have that accountability to, to be joyful, particularly because it is uh, one of my, my key values. So looking for that. These are beautiful reflections, Laura. So let me copy and paste those. I really love that you've extracted these ideas and reflections. And I really cannot wait to dig into this article. So yeah. thank you so much for, for bringing that to us today. Of course, of course. And I hope that you're copying and pasting into Google Keep because yeah. that's <laughs> what you have agreed to do. <laughs> yeah. Nice. <laughs> All right. So we'd also like to extend the invitation to you, dear listener to share your ongoing story of learning as well. Take a moment to pause and think wherever you're listening from and consider what ideas have you heard today that have sparked your interest and inspired further learning about crafting a joyful work environment. You may also find us on Twitter at DigLearnRadio to continue the conversation and share your own learning that's inspiring you this week. This season, we're dedicated to sharing our learning and things that are inspiring us. We hope that when we share, the conversation and ideas will cultivate curiosity and inspire you to explore one of the resources, reflect on a question we've asked, or continue the conversation with us online. Reflect to consider the what, so what, and now what of your thinking. Share your learning inspirations and ideas from this episode and beyond. We are, as ever, inspired to learn from Gail Allen and her work in the new pillars of modern teaching. 
She reminds us that when we share, we add a sentence to the story we communicate about ourselves to the world. Let's continue learning, sharing, and transforming. Let's get inspired.